Therefore, the kingdom in heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him to be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debts. Today is the uh, the last of our short series uh, called No Offence. I've been thinking about the world uh, that we live in and how quickly people get really angry about stuff that very often doesn't matter and how people take offence at things, again, uh, that actually are you know, things that are insignificant. But, but we got all uptight, we got all offended, we got all angry. Social media just makes that worse because you can go on there and you can shout at people that you've never met in your life and you're never likely to meet. And that makes it easy to do. So we've been thinking a little bit about anger. We've been thinking uh, also that we're not as right as we think we are. That, you know, sometimes we think we have all the answers because, you know, we, we uphold truth. We have the truth in God's word. But sometimes we use it as a big stick to beat people with. But we're not always as right as we think we are. And then we've been thinking a little bit about forgiveness. So today, I want to start by reading uh, another couple of verses from the book of Colossians. Colossians 1, 13 to 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Every so often you come across verses where actually you could do a whole series just in the first line. And we could, we could do that with this here. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. I mean, that's an amazing thing to be, to be highlighted. We have been rescued. I hope that even just that encourages you today. He has rescued us. It doesn't say he will rescue us. He has rescued us. It's a done deal. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, that's what he meant. His work, the work of salvation, the work of rescue was made possible. In the original Greek, that, that word translated rescue means to snatch to yourself. 
And if you think of like parents with a toddler, and you're walking gaily along the road, quite the thing, and the toddler darts into the road in front of a car. Well, what do you do? Go, oh dear, you better come back. No, of course you don't. You run it and you snatch the child back. You snatch the child to safety. Well, that is what God has done for us. He has snatched us back to safety. He saw the harm that was coming. And he snatched us out to himself through the finished work of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on. He has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. You see, we're not just saved from something. We are saved for something and to something. We are not just being snatched out of the kingdom of darkness and and put in some spiritual no man's land waiting for something. We've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and saved into Jesus' kingdom. And if you're already in that kingdom, then from now on, it's about integration. You know, if you move from one country to another, you need to integrate. You need to learn the culture of that new nation. You need to learn the value system of that new nation. You need to learn the language of that new nation. And if you don't, then then there's going to be real problems. And that's why God sends Holy Spirit to help us come into line with this new culture, this new country into which we have been placed when we are rescued. We need to learn about it. We need to learn about God's kingdom, how it works, what the culture is, what the language is, what the standards are. Because we are to become ambassadors for Christ and his kingdom. And we can only do that if we understand the kingdom and the king. And then it goes on. It says about this son whose kingdom is this. It's one in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. You see, when when Paul speaks about Christ and his kingdom that we are saved into, one of the first things he has to talk about is forgiveness of sin. If we need to understand things in the kingdom of God, we need to understand forgiveness. We need to understand the vertical part of forgiveness, which is God forgiving us from our sins. But we also need to realize that there's a horizontal element to forgiveness. And that is us forgiving people who sin against us. That that vertical, that we are forgiven by God, and the horizontal, us forgiving others, is the picture of the cross. 
It's the full redemptive power of Christ. And when the disciples asked how to pray, one of the the main components of the prayer that Jesus told them was about forgiveness. You know, it was forgive others just as we have been forgiven. The vertical and the horizontal connect. They go hand in hand because one follows the other. And so, in order to understand a little bit more about uh, forgiveness, we have to work out uh, what is the perspective that releases forgiveness because there is a perspective that releases forgiveness. That's why we we read the story earlier and Caitlin uh, told her version of the story. The bit that we read, though, I deliberately missed out the context. So we just got the story. Here's a king and, and the man comes and blah, blah, blah. But it comes from a question that Peter asked Jesus. And he asked, how many times do I need to forgive somebody? Now, you know, sometimes the Bible leaves things out that you would want to know the answer to. And that's one of them. Why on earth is Peter? What has happened amongst these disciples that Peter's saying, how, how often do I need to forgive this buddy? Right? I mean, I, I actually, I would quite like to know why he was asking the question. But of course, we are not told because it doesn't really matter. But then we read the story and we understand that there's a king who represents God. That's pretty straightforward. The servant, well, the servant could potentially be you uh, or, or me. And, you know, we have been forgiven a lot. And, you know, we see something uh, of ourselves in that issue of forgiving other people. We see something of ourselves uh, in this story. But the thing that's, that's really such a big part of that story, the, the, the punchline that Jesus is trying to make is actually found in the currencies that he is using. It's found in the, the meaning of the denarii and the talents. Now, we translated bags of gold and silver coins today. But talents and denarii. And of course, when you read that 2,000 years later in another country, talents and denarii, what? Who knows what that's about? Who knows how, how much... Uh, significance to put on any of that stuff. So we're, we, because we don't know that, we risk losing the whole perspective. So I, I want to try and explain that to you just so you get the, the, the radical nature of what Jesus was saying here. And I pray that it, it helps us to, to understand anew the perspective of forgiveness. We have these two relationships in the story. The one with the king and the first servant. And there's a debt involved of 10,000 talents, or as say, bags of gold was translated today. Which means nothing to us. So, the second relationship is a debt of 100 denarii. What I want to do, you know, when, when people are translating the Bible... They try not to put figures on things because years from now, if we translated that into pounds in the King James Version, well, you know, 
a pound away back in the 1700s. Well, how does that relate to now? So, what I want to do is I want to put it into one day's wage. Because one day's wage now is one day's wage now. The average pay. And Jesus' days, one day's wage would be one denarius. Silver coin. One denarius equals one day's wage. The talents, one talent, need to do a bit of maths, one talent equaled 6,000 denarii. That's 6,000 days of work. So, the modern equivalent of that. Well, I did some research. It turns out that in 2023 in the UK, the average daily wage is £86.14. Now, obviously people will be paid less than that. People are paid more than that. It's an average. Average, right? £86.14. So, let's work that out. One denarius then is £86.14. A talent would be £516,840. £516,840, right? That's one talent. But this man owed the king 10,000 talents. So that's roughly 5.1 billion. Now, see, that raises another question, doesn't it? How on earth did a servant get to spend 5.1 billion pounds? And what did they spend it on? I mean, you can get a lot of clothes for 5.1 billion pounds. And why has he not got servants of his own to cover for him? I mean, it's just, you know. It's just a ridiculous amount of money. And of course, that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. He wants to tell his disciples that we all had a debt. A debt that, in truth, we would never be able to pay. It's actually quite pathetic in a way when in the story he says to the king, just give me a couple of days. Just give me some time. A couple of days. Great. I'm sure most of us could go out and in two days get 5.1 billion pounds. I mean, for some of you, I know that's just pocket money. But, <laughs> you know, isn't it, isn't it sad, really? Just give me time. Give me time. And what Jesus is saying is that we are all in that place. With a debt that we simply cannot hope to pay. No good work, no religious deed, nothing that we could ever do would pay back that debt. And that's why we needed a saviour. And that's why John, who was Jesus' best friend, writes this in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. God loved the world so much 
that he sent Jesus to pay the debt that human beings owed for sin. So remember that. 5.1 billion. But if we go to the other side of the story, that debt was 100 denarii. So 100 times 86 pounds 14 is 8,614 pounds. Why on earth would Jesus choose that kind of amount? I'm assuming he's got a point because I don't think Jesus really said things without having a point. I mean, 8,600 pounds is a significant debt. I mean, if somebody owed you 8,600 pounds and came to you one day and said, I'm really sorry, but I can't pay that back, to most of us, that would be a real problem. Most of us are not in the position just to say, I, you're okay. I mean, if you are in that position and you'd like to lend me some money, <laughs> most of us are not there, though. And the point that Jesus is making is, this man had a debt. And it was not an insignificant debt. He owed the money. And maybe that's your situation. Maybe somebody literally owes you money. Or maybe somebody's done or said something to you, has hurt you, has offended you, has caused you upset and grief. Maybe you got your heart broken. Maybe somebody has treated you really badly and there's simply no excuse for it. But as long as you are focused on the perspective of the debt, it looks like a huge amount. But here's the point. 8,600 pounds is only a lot of money until you compare it to 5.1 billion. And that's the perspective of forgiveness. Jesus is not saying that this amount over here is small and insignificant and can be easily forgotten. But what he's asking us to do is to step back from it just for a moment and compare it with the debt that we have had cancelled. And the more we look at what we have had cancelled, the easier it is to let go of what we've been holding on to. But if we fix our eyes on this bit, on this thing that we are owed, that we deserve, that is ours by right because of what they've done, it simply festers. And it keeps us from the blessing of God. You might have the right to be angry. You might have the right to feel aggrieved. You might have the right. But if it's, if it's causing you harm, what's the point? And, and demanding that right. You need to steer your mind away from that 8,600 to the 5.1 billion.
I was the devil, I would do everything I could to get you to focus on your debt, on, on what you're owed. Really? Why would you even think of giving that up? You deserve that. You deserve. Why would you, why would you let that go? I mean, they hurt you. What they did to you. How could you forget that? How could you forget? I would, I would want you to focus on that. Because the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that's how he does it. He gets us to focus on these things that hurt us that depress us, that make us ill if we, if we harbour them. You know, sometimes on the news, you, you see something dreadful has happened and they interview family members and the family member go, I'll never forgive them. And I think that breaks God's heart because he knows that if you, if you really will never forgive, all you're doing is keeping yourself in hurt and pain and misery. And he wants so much more for us than that. The devil keeps us proud. And pride kills forgiveness. We're not forgiven automatically just because we are children of God. We are told that we are forgiven the sins that we confess. John, what, sorry, First John chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We need, even as God's children, to go to him and confess our sin and seek his forgiveness. Pride will have you think that the 5.1 billion, nah, that doesn't, that's not for me. That doesn't matter to me. That's neither here nor there for me. And then all of a sudden you're playing down the fact that God sent his son to die for your sin. And that's the very reason that God so hates pride. Repeatedly in the Bible, it says that God hates pride more than all of the other sins. Why? Because pride robs you of blessing. It robs you of all of the things that God has for you. It blocks our hearts so that we don't see our own need of forgiveness. And because we don't forgive, we're missing out on all that God has. If we delete sin from our concept of Christianity, we rob the people of blessing that comes through forgiveness. Because it's only as we acknowledge our need, it's only as we confess that we deal with pride. And we acknowledge that we can't manage on our own. And we open our hearts to the miracle that comes through forgiveness. Sin is only a problem if there is no forgiveness. But if there is forgiveness, then realizing that I am in daily need of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, well, that's the door opener to a brand new world of freedom and possibility that comes through Jesus.
And I want to end by saying just a few words about the power that's unleashed through forgiveness. Because there is a power that is unleashed through forgiveness. When you forgive someone, you have no idea what you have put in motion. When you forgive someone, when you let someone go, even although they've hurt you, you've no idea what are the consequences that are going to flow from that act. You might remember in 2015, in February, some ISIS fighters took 21 young Christians Uh, from Egypt down to a beach in Libya. They were forced to kneel, and the spokesperson of the ISIS group made a statement that these people of the cross, which was the way that he referred to Christians, were not worthy of living. And all 21 were executed on that beach. And they videotaped it and put the whole thing on YouTube. It was an attempt to scare Christians from the faith. An attempt to motivate them to leave that faith behind. To give up their faith in the cross and to go into hiding from this strong and mighty ISIS group. But what happened actually had the opposite effect. And it had the opposite effect for one reason. Even though Egypt is a Muslim nation, everyone was concerned about what had happened. And they brought the mother of one of those executed young men to a TV studio and they interviewed her. And it was just a week after this had happened. It was the biggest talk show in Egypt at the time. And the host asked her, if you had these men that killed your son and his friends, if you had them and you could do anything you wanted to them, what would you do? What punishment would be enough for what they had done? And she looked into the camera and she said, I only wish for all these men to find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I only wish for all these men who took the lives of my son and the 20 other Christian young men that they would know the love of Jesus Christ, that they will find true life and true forgiveness through faith in him. That is my one desire. And her words spread over that entire nation and shocked them because it was clear to them the difference faith in Christ made. It led to revival in Egypt. And her comments spread across the world. 
when you choose to forgive, you have no idea what you put in motion. Let's pray together. Maybe as we come to pray, you're here today or you're watching online and you're struggling with something that someone has done to you. You haven't yet been able to let it go. And it looks like that £8,000 debt and you've been looking at it for a long time. Well, today I want to say to you, it's time to get your eyes on what God has done for you, on what you've been forgiven. And I believe God's Spirit, even now, would call you in your heart to let it go, to be as generous in forgiving others as God has been in forgiving you. So will you open your heart and get ready to allow God's Spirit to move into that area and set you free so that you can experience the peace that comes from forgiveness and unleash whatever God has for you in its place. Father, we thank you so much that in Jesus' name we we stand here today, that we have that possibility of forgiveness. We thank you that, that many of us have already received forgiveness from you and are members of your family and part of your kingdom. Father, we pray for anybody today who is not there yet, that today might be the day that they say yes to Jesus and come into your family. But Father, we thank you for that debt that you paid for us. We thank you for forgiveness and salvation that we find in Jesus. Will you forgive us when we have been too full of pride that we haven't acknowledged our own need for forgiveness? And therefore, we haven't got the perspectives right. We've been less eager or even unwilling to forgive others. But Father, today we let it go in Jesus' name. And we ask you to fill us with your peace and your spirit now. And Father, I want to pray for anyone who's made that decision that you would fill them with a a peace from you that passes all understanding, that they would be overflowing with grace and mercy and compassion and love, that miracles, that healed relationships would be unleashed by your Spirit in their lives. Amen.